Children, choir and orchestra, thank you for leading us in worship. And I own now? Is this on now? Yes, it is. Good. All right. Because y'all know I'm not going to stand still here, right? Uh, Chad, thank you for putting together a worship service so far that leads right into what God has led us to, to enter into today. Give you a little report on Wade today, as some of you might wonder why in the world am I here today, but uh, Wade was able to complete his sixth and final uh, treatment for his cancer this last Tuesday, so what a praise God that is. In preparation for that, he decided it was time for him to finally take a little bit of time to rest and begin his recovery time, so uh, he has checked out for a couple of weeks. His plan right now is to be back with you next week and, and to be here in the pulpit. But do continue to uh, pray for he and his family during this time. Today we seek to understand drawing near. Our hearts and prayers go out to those on the East Coast who have been and continue to be covered up with the devastation of Hurricane Florence that's now been fortunately downgraded to just a tropical depression, but still feats of rain are are coming up, the rivers are swollen, and people are in, in dire need there. One thing that you may have missed, missed because everything focused on Hurricane Florence is that another tropical depression, unfortunately, uh, came into South Texas uh, at the same time on Friday, and they have had feet of rain down there a well, and those people that were uh, devastated by the hurricane last year have been devastated this year again this week with floods in their area so um, there are lots of people that are hurting today there's lots of people that may be hurting here in this place as we have come to worship God so let's go to the Lord in prayer God it is a privilege that we have to come and to worship you God to stand before you as your people and today, God, I just pray that the songs that we have sung, the readings that we have done, have been an offering of sacrifice that has been pleasing to you. God, may everything that happens in this place on this day be according to what you have called us to be, and may it all be pleasing in your sight. God, I just pray that in the next moments that you would use me to be your instrument and your voice as we hear words of encouragement. God, today, I just pray that you would come down and meet every need that is here. God, there are people here that are experiencing great loss in their life. They're here that are struggling with emotions, with illness, with, with challenges of loss in their families. But God, today, we are know that you are a God that's big enough to take care of all those things. And for that, we come to worship and we come to praise you. But God, also we come, hopefully with open ears today, that we may hear truly from you the message that you have called us to, to hear. God, that you would open our minds and help us to understand, that you would open our hearts and let us be impacted individually and corporately as a church. God, today is the song that we just sang, help to break us, to melt us, to mold us, if that is what you need to do in each of our lives as well as the life of this church. God, be near. We claim your presence here 
And because you are here, we pray that we will be different when we leave this place than when we arrived because we have experienced the fullness of the face of God. In all these things, I pray in the strong name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm excited to continue today in this series of messages that uh, we have been on on Draw Near, First Baptist Church, Norman. As a family of faith, I full believe that there are at least two foundational issues that we as a church need to understand and be challenged with beyond that of accepting Jesus Christ in Lord and Savior. And if we don't get that right, we can't get the rest of it right. But I think for the church universal as well as for us here in this place, not only is it important that we get them and understand them and act upon them, it's important that we get them in the right order. And first of all, even as this series began, it is to call us together to a time of worship. And to understand again that worship is about God. And I believe fully until we as a church, until the church is around the world, that if we don't get the fact that, God, that worship is about God himself and not about us, we don't have much hope for the rest of it. If we don't come before him and truly worship him and all that is there for him, we have many challenges ahead of us. Second, I believe it is a call for God's people to assemble together as a community called the church. To find a place of belonging, to worship together, to pray for each other, to grow in Christ together, and serve each other together and impact the world around us together. Together as a faith community. And I believe these are both privileges and responsibilities that we have as God's people called together. Authentic service together seems to me to be a call to the church and to those of us who are members of the church that in so many cases around the world today in the church in this year of 2018 and I'm afraid for decades in the past we have lost that picture of what we are to be as the church together. It's become, as the world has become, so much about me and, and all the things that I need, we have forgotten that God has called us to impact the world around us, to impact those that have gathered in this place to be the church here at First Baptist Church Norman. We have forgotten about the fact that we have been called to impact the world around us for the sake of Christ, both around the world and in our own neighborhoods. Together. It's an interesting word if you look at definitions, and there's a whole lot of them out there, but I think these words certainly draw to where we must be headed. Together, defined as taken or considered collectively or in conjunction, jointly, in cooperation, in partnership, side by side, side by side, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, cheek to jowl. Together into condition of unity, compactness, and coherence. I know you can say that that is a description of the church today. It's what it ought to be. It's what we've called, been called to be and to do as a unified body together 
to serve and to impact the world. I wonder, when's the last time that we even thought about those kinds of things, that it impacts who we are as a church and what we've been called to do and to be to impact the world around us as the church? I, for one, I fully believe that if the Christian life was ever to be lived out alone, then Jesus never would have started the church where people are called together to be his church. And yet, in our world of individualism, in our world of our own desires needing to be met, it seems that we have lost that vision. We must understand this concept of unity and togetherness if we're going to be faithful to our call to grow this church to impact the world around us, it's going to have to be because of the faithful service together of God's people. And that's not just us. That's the big picture church. If we could learn to be brothers and sisters in Christ and carry the word together and work together, how much better this world would be. seems that we must come to an understanding of the call to God to us in this place. And we must be willing to understand what his vision, what his call for us to be as a church and individually. We must figure out how to respond together. And together means each and every one of us. One of my favorite passages of scripture that demonstrates what can be accomplished when a people come together with a challenge and a vision can be captured and community works together to complete that vision through the midst of opposition and ridicule and harassment and threats of violence, disappointment and despair is that from the book of Nehemiah. Now, for those of you that mark your Bibles every time a, a passage is preached on, and you mark a date. I'm going to confess right now. This is a passage of scripture that was my very first pas passage of scripture I preached on 10 years ago. Nearly 10 years ago last month. I'd only been with you for six weeks at that time. And if you remember that sermon, don't close your ears because we're going to approach it from a little bit different aspect today. But this is a passage of scripture that impacts me and I believe my call and my understanding of what we can do if we can only respond to God. So what, we can, we, what can we learn? What can we be challenged with? What can we be encouraged to do and be? From recording of a devoted, uh, from a downtrodden people actually. A God and the people of God in exile. If you join me in reading from chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah. There in chapter 1, it reads like this. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant in love with those people who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees, or laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, and may we be challenged even in its hearing. The book of Nehemiah seems to be a collection of memoirs of, of this servant of God called Nehemiah. It's important for us to understand that at this point in his life, he was one of those that had been captured and taken away, but he had been promoted to a place of service and a place of ease there in the country as he was the cupbearer for the king. He had daily contact with the king. He had, he had an opportunity to make a difference in the king's life and those of his people. His first response to hearing the, the, the words of those that had come to report on the condition of Judah and, the, and of Jerusalem was to begin weeping deep in his heart for the sadness for the condition of the people and for the sadness for the condition of, of the places that they were staying and the fact that they had gone into such a in disrepair and unfaithfulness that they were willing to live there in such ruins. He prayed for forgiveness. And he prayed, God, what can I do? What can I do? I'm afraid that too often in the church today we come to the point of seeing things around us in the world around us. Things that break our heart, people that contest us, people that, that stand in the way, people that discourage us, people that stand in obstruction to us. And we pray. But we pray for God to send somebody else, right? We pray for that condition to change, but what do we do to go and change it? We pray for relief for ourselves, not to feel bad about not doing something. But we see in the passage of Scripture, Nehemiah was torn to his innermost parts. What do I do? To leave a life of prestige, a life of duty to the king? And yet, Nehemiah was compelled to action. So as you go, take the journey on through Nehemiah. In chapter 2, he goes to King Artaxerxes. And there, ask him. And Artaxerxes saw this was written all over his face, all over his countenance. And Artaxerxes, what is going on? And, and Nehemiah reported to him, and he said, grant me leave. Let me go. Let me go be with my people 
and see what God has for us to do. Let me go. Sometimes, isn't it great just to see how we see God work through what our fears are? How He provides a way to act when we don't see the way? How He calls us to respond when we really don't want to at times? Nehemiah went, he surveyed the wall. Went by himself to survey the wall around Jerusalem to get the full impact of what was going on and the devastation that those that had survived the exile had been living in. But while there, he found a people that were afraid. He found a people that had drawn into themselves and into their shells so much they couldn't move, they couldn't act, they couldn't see the need to rebuild the walls around them. Stuck in an endless pit. But in chapter 2, verse 17, we see some hopeful words and response from Nehemiah and then the people. Where it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And then they replied, let us, hear these words, let us then start rebuilding. So they began a good work. Isn't it interesting? People living there in devastation for the years that they were. And this one voice from God comes before them and says, Hey folks, look at where you are. Why aren't you calling on the strength of God to get you out of this place? Look what we can do if we do it together. (coughs) Church, how about us? We need, to call, we need to understand that we have been called together to serve. We have been called to rebuild a whole host of things. We've been called to this task together. I've always had an understanding of the Christian life being a life of service together. And, and in that, an action together. And there are so many needs and even more opportunities. And in some circumstances, you, we have done well in the past. I know that in the past, there's been calls to work together. Some of those examples are in Bland, Virginia, Hurricane Katrina, the bike, the bike ministry to help the homeless get, and those impoverished get means of transportation. Friendship International, where we are greeting those that come into this country with needs of English as a second language. Our friendship community. And those in homeless and impoverished that we have reached out to help them through and out of that journey that they are in. Certainly over the last year and Bill, if you'll go ahead and start the video. Over the last year, we have, you have responded to a need to rebuild the walls in South Texas. These are some of the pictures of things that, that happened in Refurio beginning last year. We have taken three trips as, as a church to, 
to Corpus Christi and then two, one, to Cor to, one to Houston and then two to Corpus Christi and to work in Refugio to those people that had their walls literally broken down. My sister was one of them, and I remember when I went and helped her as an individual, just went down there, and she walked into our house the day that we only had the insulation in her wall, and she walked in from work that day, and she broke down and crying, and she said, I have walls. After only two months, that was her response. So far, this church has sent 45 individuals in those three trips and given over 7,000 hours of work to restore some of those folks. And we have been met with open arms. We've been called to be those people that have provided hope when they were in a situation of despair and lostness. But there's so much left to be done there. And now there will be some to be done on the East Coast. There's still stuff in Florida and Louisiana. And in the islands from last year's stuff. But at this point we have been called to go to that area of Refurion. And we're going to be going as your, your um, order of worship indicates. We're going to be going again on the, la on the last Sunday of October. On October the 28th and come back the following Saturday. To go and see what we can do. And as Ted Greb said in his testimony after, the, after a trip there last year, there's so much to be done. <laughs> and what are you doing? What do you think you're helping? And he described it as the boy walking down the, the seashore, grabbing up those sand dollars and throwing them back in. And somebody walked up, a naysayer walked back up. And he said, what are you doing, thinking you're doing? Look at all these you're leaving behind. And he reached down and picked up and he said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. Folks, all we can do is go and make a difference to that one. Whatever we are called to do, we are not called to do everything. But folks, we are called to do something and we had best understand what that something is and be about it. If God's going to bless this church and if God is going to bless the church around us. There is much work to be done. There's much to be work to be done in South Texas and around the world that we just talked about. But there's work to be done right here in this place. In our neighborhoods, in our next door neighbors, in those that we work with. If we would only attune ourselves and then be responsive and figure out a way to get it done. God has called us to be his people in this place. As I said, we've done a lot in the past. My question is, what about today? What about tomorrow? Next week and next year? You see, God call and continues to call us. And in that call, there is something for everyone to do. Certainly everyone can't go to South Texas. I understand that. Everyone couldn't go to Katrina. Everyone can't go internationally on those trips that we take there. But we have a job to do together here in this place. I read an interesting thought this last week, and I must tell you, I haven't confirmed these numbers, but they're interesting, and I believe that they are challenging to us. Do you know that leader is only mentioned about six times in the, in the Bible? But guess how many times servant is mentioned? According to these statistics, I read over, over 900 times. 
Now, which one are we called to do? Are we supposed to be those six leaders? Are we supposed to be the 900 servants? Folks, we need some of both. But we need to gather to work. There's nothing that will draw us as a community together than be shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, cheek to cheek, sweating and working hard together. Praying together. Serving together. Ministering together. And I can tell you, many of you here today are discouraged in life. Some of you may be discouraged about this church. Some of you may be discouraged about the big picture church. Some of you may be discouraged by those folks that are standing on the front walk today. Lydia and I had the opportunity to go see the movie Christopher Robin a couple of weeks ago. And, and Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh had great conversations. Some of those were great teaching points, and one of those today, Christopher Robin was down and out and didn't know which way to go. To which Pooh finally answered, and he said, you know, I figured out the best way to get to where I'm going is to leave where I've been. <laughs> Christopher Robin said, you do? To which Pooh said, works for me. Folks, what do we need to walk away from to get to where we're going? I guess my challenge is today is, do we even know where we're walking towards? Do we understand the vision that God has for us as his people in this place? Do we understand the vision and the call that God has for us individually in our own Christian life? Is the church today really committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus to the world, to each other first, and then to, to the world around us? First of all, the only way to do that is to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's the first message of the church, is to take it to those that don't know Jesus and say, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life, this is your hope, and to have those people brought into the family of faith together. But if you've ever walked to that saving grace of Jesus, where do you go now? If we've become so inwardly focused and developed a foxhole mentality, then we need to walk away from that and be the people of God willing to seek his face. And we need to take the next step and see the face of Jesus and figure out what he's calling us to do and to be. What is it that God's calling us individually and corporately to do? We need to figure it out. And then claim the words that God spoke to Joshua when Joshua stood up to be the new leader of the nation of Israel and I would never have been wanted to put in that position. And God said, Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. Be strong, be courageous, do not tremble, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Church, the call today is to let's start walking together. Let's start walking away from whatever it is that would keep us from walking forward together and being about what God calls us to be.
Let's pray.